Put on your favorite shade of red and hit the town with us on this episode of Monsters of the Midwest. Welcome to Monsters of the Midwest. The only reason I say that is because we have some guests. So I'm excited. Yes, yes. We have Les and Mo from the Les and Mo show. So go ahead, introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your podcast that you have. And we're going to need to see both you guys in the video. Okay, sorry. We're on one computer (laughs) right now. Yeah, so I'm Les. And I'm Mo. And we have the podcast, The Lesson Mo Show, where we talk about true crime. Mysteries, conspiracies. Yes, unsolved. All the crazy shit. Yeah, we talk about a lot of different stuff on there. Um, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Yep, you can find us on those. And yeah, we just really like to dive into stuff that we're really interested in. And we've had a lot of fun along the way so far so you guys should check us out yeah very similar to what you guys do so i'm excited to be on today's episode we're just not as funny as you guys yeah (laughs) (laughs) well thank you i mean we can't do everything you know no you guys are just kidding (laughs) we love it so uh yeah uh it's it's such a joy to have people in the podcasting community that aren't that haven't been doing it forever and we can kind of bounce ideas off each other and struggle with audio like we did earlier. Yes, <laughs> it's a process. <laughs> yes. So um f- without further ado, we're just going to get into the crux of the matter, okay? So for those who read the the title of the podcast, we're going to talk about the lipstick killer. Now, I did not know about the lipstick killer, y'all. I didn't know. A bitch still um, doesn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, um, I'm just going to start off by briefly describing the scene and why it's called the lipstick killer. And we know what flavor of the Midwest that he's he, he she, whoever is from first. From Chicago, we're going yes. right oh, on back to Chicago. Oh, great! Okay, all right, let's go back. <laughs> so here is the lipstick scene, and it is a message on the wall that says, "For heaven's sake, catch me before I kill more. I cannot control myself." Bro, so is this, this the weepy guy? Is this the weepy guy? No, this isn't the oh, weepy okay. face. The oh, weepy man. Oh, but it's. It sounds that way. It sounds that way. (laughs) So I'm obviously going to post a picture of this because who the fuck doesn't want to see it. But I I want to talk about it a little bit. Just the writing itself, because it's really, really bizarre. Okay, now this is in 1945. So we all know back in 1945, stuff wasn't really structured like it is today. And is it uh, handwriting or or something? Handwriting was a little bit different. Yes. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It was really strange, but it with a lipstick looks... pack. I mean, that's that's talent, though. Yeah, that's some art. You know, yeah, I would the... break it. <laughs> yes, right. because it says it looks like it says for heaven's sake with an M, eaten me before I real more. I cannot control myself. 
And the reason it looks like that is because the M's and the N's. Oh, yeah. Look like. Yes. So like they look like M's in some in some instances because of the way that they mixed cursive and print. So it looks really strange and it's very distinctive. I mean, if somebody wrote like that. I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. Because I want to see if it's like a male writing or if it's like female. Because you know, like there's different strokes that look, I don't know. Are you saying guys, you're saying guys have shitty writing? Yeah. Uh, uh, (laughs) Not all guys, but I mean, I feel like they write faster. Yeah, that's true. They could. But it's weird, right? It's like, it has some qualities of like a teenager almost like scribbled it, but then there's cursive L's in there. There's cursive M's and N's, which I don't know if you guys know this or not, but they don't teach cursive anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if some of our audience listening knows even what the hell I'm talking about. They <laughs> started back up. So oh, now they expect okay. that that little uh, branch of kids that didn't get to learn it. Now they're just fucked because now they have uh-huh. to be able to read it still. That's so right. this, it this, does okay. look like it does look like he is not that well educated, though. Like he doesn't See, know okay. how to write. I don't think that. I don't think. Okay, I love that you said that. But my first instinct, not knowing anything, that looks like rushing of writing because they're pissed off, like angry, like just getting it out there, like really, yeah. you know, like True. quick, and then trying to get the fuck out of the scene. I don't know, but I know nothing about this. That sucks it does because look like I that. write like this. <laughs> yeah, I write like this. Seriously. So it was person. you. I mean, <laughs> like, I'm not that old. God, I look man. like it. But it's been a hundred years. I know. I mean, thriving. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, like, just think about like you're venting in a journal or something, you know, eventually when that just it starts pouring out. I don't know if you guys journal or anything, but like eventually it's just it looks like gibberish. But like in your head, you're just, like process dumping, you know? Yeah. That kind of gives me that same vibe, like mm-hmm. just angry, pissed off. and then. I don't know what the blot is at the bottom. Like, yeah, I don't know. it's very That's strange. That looks like a lamp. Maybe I'm not looking at the, the same one. I think yeah, it I is. Yeah, I don't think we're looking at the, I don't know. Okay. So some yeah. of them are zoomed in just on the lettering. Some uh, of them are zoomed out more to more of the crime scene because oh, as we I start talking about this. One. Disregard everything I said because this one is not the one I was analyzing. So the other <laughs> one looked very um, erratic. This guy was obviously suffering through something mentally for him to write that down after killing someone with a lipstick. I mean, definitely going through something heavy. Yeah. Right. And it was found in the woman that we're going to talk about's bedroom. So I'm assuming that the table and where the lamp is and everything like that, the lipstick was probably in there or somewhere around there. And that's mm-hmm. the first thing that he saw. So that's the first thing that he grabbed or she. So mm-hmm. maybe uh, he just wanted to wear it. Yeah. I mean, do, I mean, do maybe you? It was his. It was his, right. It was in his pocket. Yeah. He just had pocket. It with him. Yeah. So the police then were on the lookout for anyone who may have had a hand in not just one, but three murders, mm-hmm. one on June 5th, one on December 10th and one on January 7th. Now, 1945, wow. 1946. This is this is a time where like police didn't give a damn. OK, they mm. want the information and they don't care how they're going to get it. So they're just they're trying to contact as many people as they can. They're on the beat. They're going out out on the street. They're trying to find who they're going to find. And so the last victim 
lights a fire under their ass, right? Because she's a, she's a small girl. She's six years old. Oh my gosh. Can I ask you a question that I'm already like getting like sweaty palm pissed off about? Um, Please. Are they all uh, what's, what's their race? Because I feel like all the stuff that I've looked over in Chicago, you're smiling because you know what I'm going to say, but like all the cases that I've looked in Chicago, let's just be honest. If it was a small white woman or a white child, they're on it. They're like, we're going to do work, but let's be on anybody of color, anything. They're like, it's fine. It's whatever, you know, we'll mm. act like we're doing this. We'll write it on paper, but we aren't doing shit. Hmm. Yeah. They are all, um, Caucasian. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they're questioning hundreds of people and they're just trying to narrow somebody down. So we're going to start from the beginning and we're going to talk about a man's life who everybody knows today as the lipstick killer. So mm. if Les and Mo want to take it. Yeah. Um, so his name is William and he was known as Bill as well. He was born in November 15th of 1928 in Evanston, Illinois. And he was born into the post era and post war, the Great Depression era. And he lived in the town of Lincolnwood, which is not too far outside of Chicago. He had a really rocky kind of life. Like his mom and dad, they fought a lot and that would make him want to leave home. And he would basically go out and wander the streets. Eventually though, he turned to a life of crime because he said he needed to release the tension that built up in his home life. So at age 13, William was arrested for carrying a loaded gun, and this would cause the police to kind of search his home. And this is where they they didn't just search his home, but they sh- like searched a shed on top of a building next door to his building. And they found in the shed stolen weapons and radios, furs, suits, all types of random stuff. And he confessed to 11 of those thefts. So because of his actions, he was actually sent to this like school for wayward boys. And it was in Terre Haute, Indiana. And fun fact about that is Charles Manson would actually go to the same school. So different times. Yeah. Yep. Different times. But yep, he went there too. Full of anger. I'm like, oh, cool. I know that. Yeah. Okay. This is this had to have been a crazy ass school, but right. He would spend. Yeah, he would spend several months there and he was sentenced to spend time at St. Beattie Academy. At the academy, he was a really good student, actually, and he got accepted into the University of Chicago's special learning program at just age 16. So he was a bright kid. Right before he was released, a classmate would talk about how much of a a ladies man that he was. And yeah, he had a, he had a fling with a lot of girls there apparently. So he was a ladies man, but yeah, he worked several days a week as an usher and a docent at a church. And then coincidentally, he would start the robberies again. So he learned nothing. Wow. I want to interrupt and ask them a question because you guys are Chicago natives or Illinois. Okay. So can you explain kind of just in case people are listening are like me? I don't know the demographic of Chicago, like the neighborhoods. I don't know what's I like this whole scene. Is this in a, you know, a suburb? Or is this yeah. in like down? 
Like what's going on with it? Where this so is what's funny is actually I'm right from the same area. So Chicago <laughs> is the city. And then the nearest suburb to Chicago is Evanston. It's just Northwest. And okay. Evanston is basically connected. There's three suburbs that line up with Chicago. So it's Lincolnwood, which is a pretty good area. It's like, you know, a lot of rich people. Back then it would have been even better. Yeah. Like, same with yeah. Evanston. Evanston's a wealthy area, parts of Evanston and then Skokie. And Skokie is where I'm from. So that's the nearest Northwest suburbs to Chicago. So what's like the demographic of like, let's say, what would his parent to be in that neighborhood? You, I guess you could say, what would his parents be doing? Like, are they more like industrial workers? Is it mm-hmm. like a place where, you know, where there's factories or schools? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I mean, back in the day in like the 1940s, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure. But nowadays, like you're you're doing you own your own business and you're well be. Like if you're living in those area, you're making good money. Yeah, it's a a really affluent area. I'm trying to figure out exactly what his dad did. So, I mean, from what you guys are telling me, good looking guy from a decent area. Yeah, just a little bit of a rocky home life. Yeah, his dad was really overbearing. His mom and dad just would fight a lot and had a lot of issues. I mean, to the point that this kid felt like his best option was to go out and commit all these robberies. I mean, he's walking around with a loaded gun at 13. Yeah, like he was, something was going on. Who didn't? Worse. (laughs) True. I mean, I mean, I didn't, but I mean, whatever. Um, (laughs) It was all that jazz music. (laughs) Right, right. It's not the church or anything, I'm sure. But no, um, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> that area, though, you said something about a shed was on his property. That that's where they found like the stolen goods. So the right? shed was actually on a rooftop of a neighboring building. So, oh, I, so these are all okay. So I see. I had a different thing in my head. I was thinking like neighborhood, not like multiple family homes or apartments or. Oh yeah, you know, there's apartment buildings. complexes in that area that have been there for a while. So yeah, there's that. There are, there are single family homes too. Don't get me wrong, but it's okay. also a college town, um, in a sense, because Loyola. Oh, is, uh, or, uh, North, um, sorry. Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern. My bad. But yeah, there Northwestern's in the area too. So you know, it's there's like like frats and yeah but back, back and in stuff. the 1940s i don't know what it was like well now, those now. houses all by the beach are like old yeah, school you know true. and the church so is, is this, there is this near the pier then or no no, yeah. no 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 this is probably about 30 miles not 30 15 miles northwest of like downtown chicago easily a 30 minute okay. drive yeah with traffic the reason okay. i'm asking so many questions is because you guys are all kind of from city whatever she's from mm-hmm. cleveland I'm from, I'm surrounded by four cornfields. Okay. Like I got <laughs> out of here, but like, I, you know, when I hear shed, I think, okay, at least they have a yard, but I know most city areas don't have a yard, you know? So right. like a yeah. shed would be like, you would maybe at least now you'd rent it on a different property that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, oh, I'm from I, the yeah. Southern Illinois area. So I know exactly, exactly what it means to be surrounded by cornfields and small towns for sure. Which is weird. They took him to Indiana, but okay. Yeah. So I just want to briefly talk about like the 1940s by themselves, because we have talked about the 40s, the 30s, the 40s in length already, because Mm -hmm. a lot of our topics as of late have been early on, early in the the, the 50s, 60s, whatever. So during the 40s, you know, obviously you already touched on that. The Great Depression prohibition was during this time, which in Ohio, 
So for instance, like Indiana and Ohio, there was a case that we did recently that during this time, there was the prohibition area. Well, people would go across the border to get alcohol. And I know in Chicago, there were speakeasies. There still are today. So I'm sure fucking mafia. So there's lots Mm -hmm. going on in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Tons of stuff. There's a lots of payoffs the, with the police. And, you know, when you said, oh, they're doing all they can. Mm-hmm. Don't really uh, corrupt as hell. Exactly. Yes. Corrupt. I was letting you guys throw that out there because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not trying to throw blame on your yeah. guys's area. Oh, no, it's yeah. still corrupt. Don't worry about that. It's still a mess. <laughs> yeah. Which which is yeah. what I question why they put him in that school. Like, I'm still stuck on that. There's something with that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah the church. So we the are. Yeah covering uh charles manson very soon so amanda knows quite a bit about him already and it's interesting she's going through her mental gymnastics talking inside her own head like oh i know that's cool oh i know that he was part of that that. (laughs) yeah so this is what i was going to say he was a thief no doubt i mean we we got that he was rebellious at a very very young age he was acting out okay he wanted attention he wanted to be seen i understand that but you know when i was 13 years old yes i was i had my teen angst i will say that but not ever to potentially walk into someone's house and steal things from them and have a loaded gun on me. I mean, I I wasn't to that point. Okay. But this guy had some balls. Okay. Let's be honest. When we were starting to talk about doing this episode on him, I didn't know much about it. And so when I was looking at the time frame of his life, I was like, Oh, great depression. No wonder he was stealing. He was trying to make money for his family. But then okay. it came down to the fact that he didn't, he kept all of the stuff. He didn't sell it. Yep. He just kept it. So he really yeah. was just like, I don't know, looking for attention, blowing off steam, like whatever the hell he was doing. Like it wasn't, it wasn't for like, I hate to say like good intentions, but sometimes people got to do what they got to do, you know? But like he was just keeping everything in a storage shed. He wasn't even using it. Like, I don't Which understand means- that. I see. Okay. So I love that you said that, but the fact that he kept it in there, I agree with you. Like that just, it pings a little differently for me. It's not that he's keeping trophies, but he's definitely acting out for attention, Mm -hmm. but I think there's more like mental stuff going on there. I feel like that these, to me, that looks like he's saving his accomplishments because let's be honest. I don't think his parents are throwing, you know, uh, a plus paper on the the fridge or whatever with the gold star on it. Like they don't, they clearly don't give a shit. They're worried about their own lives. So I don't know. There's so many things that you strive for with teenage angst. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, just reaching for things, either that or it's, we don't know what the depression was like. I mean, my grandmother went through it and she hoards like a motherfucker. She said everything. Yes. So me, and they also thought the world was ending. They didn't know. You know what I mean? They were super uneducated. There was not a lot of media. I mean, they were in the dark. So maybe that was also survival skill for him. Yeah. Like, let's throw this in here. Maybe I need to take care of things. Who knows? Who knows? Well, yeah. it was during that's- the war, the end of the war and stuff like that, too. Yeah. So that's what I think. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So now I'm going to get into talking about the first and second murders. Okay, now these caught my attention because they're similar. Okay, so June 5th, 1945, Josephine Ross, she's 45 years old and she lived alone in her apartment. Her apartment didn't appear to be ransacked, so there was no theft. Nothing was missing. 
And there seemed to be a struggle, however, like we know as well as anybody else from the Midwest, we do not lock our fucking doors. Okay. (laughs) We just don't. I haven't in, in Texas and somebody went through my car in my driveway. Mm. These people are bold out here. Let me tell you, but <laughs> up North, I had no problem. I'm like, eh, whatever, just leave the screen door open. It's fine. You know, this, I believe is that type of situation where somebody came in. Uh, it didn't, it didn't look like it was um, forced entry at all, but she did fight back. This wasn't somebody that she knew. And she struggled so much that she pulled some of their hair out. So the hair was in her yes, hand bitch. when they found her. Yes. How old was she? All, she yeah. was 45. Oh, so that, okay. that, that lady has some fight in her. Yes, yeah, she did. Although she had the hairs in her clutches, they never tested it. They never took it. They didn't take it into evidence. They just kind of, oh, there's some hairs here. There it is. See, that's I, I felt that when you were explaining, did the police really do what they were supposed to do or mm-hmm. no. Yeah. So her head was tightly wrapped in a dress, possibly to muffle screams, which I'm assuming is so. And she had multiple stab wounds. So she bled to death before being able to call for help. Now, on December 10th, almost six months to the day, Francis Brown was also brutally murdered. The wounds inflicted on her was a gunshot wound to the hand and a knife sticking out of the side of her neck. That's not the same so crime at no. all. That so, is. This is where the apart. This is the apartment where the lipstick note was found. So the only thing that I can connect is that there was a knife in both instances. Mm-hmm. It's not the same exact MO, but there are similarities. Now. It, it wasn't a theft either. Nothing was taken. Nothing was stolen. No forced entry. But they linked it just from the stabbing. Now, the gun was something totally different. But they said, you know what? We should link it anyways and see if we can come up with one, maybe two people. Or maybe Police this just takes then, a, little, a little thing off their plate. They're like, hey, you know, two stabbings, whatever. Almost six months. Let's connect a few, like, you know, yeah. morsels details. of something. Right. Yeah. So... Yeah, police found a bloody fingerprint, which was kind of more like a smudge a little bit in a door jam that was the entryway of the apartment. They grabbed the door jam while leaving, which, duh, mm. don't fucking do that. Um, <laughs> now, in this apartment building, well, there was, was an bloody. elevator. It wasn't, it wasn't like lipstick smear? Nope, it wasn't lipstick. It was did blood. They, find well, the they lip- tested for that. Did, right. did they, what happened to the lipstick? They leave it at the scene because he left everything else and his mother at the scene. Clearly, like, the, the- you know what? I don't know. I don't know if he took like the lipstick applicator with him or her. I don't know if if it was left, if it, if it was thrown out the window. Who knows? Because this was in her bedroom. Right. Like we said, well, he so left a the window knife with, his, with his fingerprints or whatever all over it. Yeah. And I'm not sure if. This person was wearing gloves. I mean, it's cold. It's December in Chicago. Y'all know what that feels like. Oh, yeah. So probably, I'm not really 100% sure, but there's an elevator here. So a witness, which was the door clerk, I guess is what you would call him, or the doorman, he said that they heard gunshots around 4 a.m. There was a sketchy looking dude stepping off the elevator looking real nervous, and then he took off. So 
I mean, if I heard gunshots and some sketchy ass dude or whatever is coming down, I'm like, yo, I have nothing to do with it. I'm sorry. Don't shoot me. Mm-hmm. But police thought that the suspect was a woman at first. And I don't know why. No, because, no, no. Because the description was slender individual between the ages of 30 and 40, between 135 and 145 pounds. I don't know the height. I couldn't find the height anywhere, but police thought that this was a woman at first because of the lipstick. And I believe that maybe the lipstick applicator was never found. So Mm. I don't really think that that is a basis to uh, think that it was a female, but um, he could have been homeless and starving. He could have been naturally skinny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. He could have been suff- suffering this, through the Great Depression. Like this is the depression. That's People what are, I was thinking. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. I have a, a whole thing I'm investigating or going through with a bunch of like psychology things. That is not how women handle the way that they kill. That is not like in their brain. Like I don't want to go into it because I'm saving it for our next episode. But <laughs> literally, like it's been proven that is not why women kill. That is not how they do it. This seems like that one was like erratic, like angry. Yeah. Like, yeah. Slo- sloppy as hell. Well, you know? let's right. be real. Like we wouldn't waste a good lipstick on writing on the walls. So you can't afford Special- pantyhose at that point. You're sending them to the <laughs> yeah. troops. So you're not going to give up your lipstick. Like, hell no. <laughs> right. Exactly. So and your good I- kitchen knife. Fuck that. Like you're really like, <laughs> no, we ain't doing that. Right. And I feel like I don't believe that this was in the same building. I don't know if the buildings were actually in close proximity to each other at all because I didn't find anything. I found like a picture of a building, but I was not really sure if that was the actual building. But yeah, I don't know addresses. I also, didn't like, find anything like, OK, you know, I have to kind of question gunshots in Chicago. Is that really that bizarre? I mean, you guys all are from city. Like, is that <laughs> yeah, really yeah. that bizarre? You know, there's a game that building we play. in Chicago. There, yeah, there's a game that we play. Is it a firework or is it a gunshot? Like, oh, we used a, to do that in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. I mean, mm-hmm. I I lived in Washington D.C. for a couple of years, so I understand. But like, I I just I don't know. Chicago, that's really rough area. And yeah, it's, it can be. <laughs> I'm just surprised yeah, that, I mean, uh, they don't have a lot of details of these two murders. Like, they just discovered the scene and that's it. How convenient. Because oh, they didn't give a fuck. They had other shit. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't give a fuck. The last victim, I'm going to leave that up to you guys. Yeah. So on January 7th, 1946, Susan Degnan, a six-year-old from a North Chicago suburb, was discovered to be missing from her bedroom by her father. The police would soon arrive on the scene to investigate, and there was a ransom note that was discovered, and it demanded $20,000 from the father and it told them to not con- to not contact the police or the FBI. The kidnapper also demanded the $20,000 to be issued in $5 bills and $20 bills only. Uh, La- okay. <laughs> yeah, random this, as hell. This is the letter I saw earlier, by the way, yeah. when we were all comparing notes here. <laughs> Lastly, the letter said to burn the letter for Susan's safety, and there was a partial fingerprint found on the letter. This kind of reminds me of John Bonet. Oh, with the ransom. Yeah. It was like, yeah. give, give me the rans- uh, the the money in like fives, twenties and hundreds and whatnot. So the calls would repeatedly come to the Degden home and uh, there was a man's voice that would 
demand the ransom each time. So a random person started calling them. And then the, uh, the mayor of Chicago at the time was Edward Kelly, and he received a note about the case. And it stated, in quote, this is to tell you how sorry I am not to not get the old Degden instead of his, instead of his girl. Roosevelt and OPA make their own laws. Why shouldn't I and a lot more, end quote. Yeah, that's a while though. Like what? So it looks like he was that's... trying to go for the, the father, but he settled on the little girl. Probably because he wasn't strong enough. <laughs> yeah. hey, he was slender, what? right? He was 140 he was pounds. Yes. I'm just saying, like, if a bitch is going to go after a dude, she's going to go after a dude. Like, there's got there's more motive than to, you're not just going to be like, oh, well, let me just pick up, you know, whoever's laying there just because yeah, I can't right. you know, do whatever. No, they find a way because if they're if they're that mad to commit a murder, they'll find a fucking way to make sure that shit happens. You know, yes. Yeah. And one thing, let me point out to you what I just I, I caught this and I don't know why I didn't catch this when I was doing the research here. But like the way that he writes the letter grammatically is kind of similar to the first uh, the lipstick message. He says, this is to tell you how sorry I am to not get or I am not to get old Degnan instead of his girl. Like he just there's like it's weird. Like I am not to not get old Deg Degnan. Like what is that? They did talk right. differently back in the day, though. Yeah, like, but I, is it that bad? Their yeah. vocabulary or whatever. I mean, he was a smart guy. Maybe he was playing dumb because he went Ooh. to. Mm-hmm. But anyways, mm-hmm. okay, okay, that's a good point though. That's a yeah. good point. Yeah. So okay. just yeah, a little bit be. of info on the OPA. So the OPA was referring to um, the office of. Price administration. And at this time, meat packers were on strike against them uh, because the OPA was talking about extending the rotation system uh, that they had in place for uh, dairy products. And leading up to this, mm. Susan's dad, who was an OPA senior executive, he had just moved to Chicago and he was, you know, also a widower because Susan's mother had just passed away earlier in her life. So yeah, the reason though that the OPA they issue their issues were considered is because another executive in the area had to hire like armed security to protect him and his family after threats of violence were made towards his children. So there was also a guy in Chicago who was part of the black meat market trade, and he was killed by decapitation just prior to this Ooh. incident. Yes. Damn, ain't yes. that a bitch? Yeah, it is. And it's coincidental to (laughs) this. Yeah, no kidding. But police thought that, yeah, police thought that Susan's kidnapper or kidnappers would be meat packers because of how tense things were between them and the OPA employees. So sadly, because of an anonymous tip that came into police, Susan's head was discovered in a sewer one block from the Degnan home. And multiple body parts were also found dismembered and scattered throughout the area. So it Uh, honestly took over a month to find them all. And it was it was said that there was a bloody scene that was also found in a building that neighbored the Degnan building. And it was in the laundry room of this building and the wash tubs that they had at that time were discovered with blood all over them. And this basically made police like feel that this is where Susan was murdered and dismembered. So 
Yeah. Mm. I can't believe how intense the meat packing scene was back in the day. <laughs> like people were killing each other over meat. Like what is oh, going okay. on? So I don't have you guys looked into um organized crime in Chicago early days in this time because they were a part of that. They were part of sanitation and the meat packing industry. Oh yeah. It it was yeah, it they had a lot to they, do with that. It's crazy. There's a lot of messed know. up stuff about meatpacking in the day here in Chicago. Lots of messed yeah. up stuff about that. And so, I mean, if, if this guy's coming in fresh out the gate and he's changing rules that they were already used to, you know, I mean, they don't know. I mean, I don't know his affiliation with whatever, but that's going to piss off some people that this is their only means of income in a, you know, a time that they can't, you know, it's depression. They don't know wartime. They don't know what the hell's going to happen. You know that? Yeah. I, I mean, I think we've probably all been there where, you know, money is tight or whatever. We're trying to make it in our own way. And then to have somebody come just sidetrack your life like that, that's, I mean, yeah, in a, I'm in, in the a, union. I get it. In, <laughs> yeah, you're fucking with spot. their money, you know? Yeah, you don't fuck with money and kids, okay? So, I mean, what's the and best way to hurt both. somebody? Yeah. They did both. Yeah. yeah I, don't, mm. I don't know. Yeah. The police would actually interview hundreds of people and investigate a lot of, you know, possible suspects. They would eventually polygraph about 170 people. All people were eventually, you know, they were released because they couldn't find anything. Uh, there was uh, a boy by the name of Theodore Campbell, Campbell, I'm sorry. Um, And he would tell the police that he was the one to make the ransom calls to the Degden home. But, you know, he said that he was put up to it by a 16 year old by the name of Vincent Costello, who confessed to Theodore that he was responsible for killing Susan. What's up with all these young kids, bro? They were wild. Costello seems like a, a mafia name, does does it not? One of the sons, yeah. Also, the the poor boys that lived around where the uh, organized crime, the mafia people, you know, that's those are the run boys. Those were the, you know what I mean. And if wow. you prove this, then you can be involved. Yeah, it's like yeah. initiation, you know. Yep, there is. Yep, let's see I, how far I your hate loyalty it. lies. Yeah, it's pretty sad. That still goes. I'd on be to like, this bye. Day. Yeah, peace out, Cub Scout. I'm done. No, thanks. So the police actually brought in these two kids for questioning, and it was determined that they didn't know anything about the murder. They both passed. uh, Yeah, they both they both passed a polygraph test, and I don't know how accurate those polygraph tests were back in the day. Probably Um, they were whatever the police decided for the day. That's what they were. Like, and right. they were then they were released with no charges. And then upon examination, the, the coroner's report stated that there was a very sharp blade that had been used to dismember Susan's body and that the person who committed this heinous crime must have been a professional with skills in dissection, anatomy or as a meat cutter, mm. saying that yeah. even the best doctors would have trouble with doing such a thing and added that it was a very clean job with no signs of hacking. Yikes. So in that time, it makes me wonder, were women working in the meat cutting industry? I feel like probably not. Mm-hmm. Not many. If there not- was any, it wasn't many. We interrupt your regularly scheduled debauchery to talk to you about some other cool cats. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, <laughs> but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. The show really feels like just kicking back with us at home and chatting about monsters and tragedies, but having a few laughs along the way. Just like we'd be doing if the mics were off, frankly. (laughs) You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us. Forever and ever and ever. What do you think? Their links are in the description, so go check them out, you turkeys. Time to agitate the gravel and get back to Coolsville. I'm just looking at, like, because they said they connected these crimes together as one person, right? And they suspected maybe it possibly be a woman, blah, blah, blah. It was a smaller person. I'm just, like, taking clues from each case. And if if, if they knew what they were doing as a butcher, you know, then they should, I don't know. Well, the first two, first two don't kind of connect. I mean, they weren't dismembered, right? And, and the second one looked like she was she was stabbed through the neck. That doesn't look like something. Look sloppy and left yeah. the. None of these look feel connected to me. None of them feel connected. I I don't. I think two. The first two have some similarities, but not very many. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. enough to con- not enough to consider a serial killer. No. With the third, with Hell the no. third one, this is completely unrelated, no. and yeah. somehow they're all encompassed in one case. And I don't believe it's the same thing. No, no. Um, you can't even look at that and like psychologically find escalation because okay, I've read so many different things like uh, to prove escalation. Like, what are the starting points? What might you add in there? What mental health, depending on like the demographic? I mean, I've literally nerded out to this at very very length like none of this matches none of this feels mm, the same no. it feels like to me they were sitting there and they're like was it an election year yeah probably mm, i don't know uh, yeah that, that makes a that lot pe- of sense because let's clean up our unresolved business let's just throw it all into a stew and make us you know some i think there's whatever <laughs> skimbo <laughs> i don't know i just all these things peg differently all right. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't look the same at all. None of it does. Like, well, I mean, the first two, maybe, but the Susan, there's not that's not the same person at all. It's not the same M.O. Like that one. Like Susan is revenge on somebody yeah. else. Yeah, there's yeah. motive. There's motive for that. It was meticulous. There was a plan there. The second there was one, a plan. Yeah, 100 percent. And then to sprinkle body parts around the city. That was yeah. intentional. That was to yeah, make I like, so. I want you to listen and see what's going on. This that was you. Yeah. Yes. You hit Espe- the nail right on the head. You don't Especially, give me my ransom money. I'm going to show you how bad right. it's going to hurt. Yes. And that time there was like, you know, there was Lindbergh. There were so many babies and young children being stolen from powerful individuals mm-hmm. to make, you know, a splash because of it. That's what that feels right. like to me. So it's either exactly. somebody. You know, you think let's let's just 
say organized crime controlled, you know, payroll controlled, whatever, mm-hmm. who's being hired, all that stuff in the meatpacking industry. Okay, well, uh, Tom Digger Harry over here that is not affiliated with that gets, you know, shoved under the rug. I doubt there was unions in this part at this time. And either way, if it's being controlled by something else, I mean, that can all be erased. You know what I mean? So they have their life uprooted and detrimental and they know this is the only way they can, you know, control the situation or get it out there. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Either that or he pissed off the he pissed off the mafia, and then that makes sense too. There's lots that would of, make the most sense. I feel like because they're they're pretty violent, and this is this is a really messed up situation with this little girl. Like to dismember a six year old and decapitate her. Like what the hell? What I right. think is interesting is is the ransom note though. How he kind of apologizes for not getting the father instead of the little girl. That's the most interesting part. Is that they kind of failed. I feel like the mafia would mafia would got the father. I feel like yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. And they also, I mean, you guys are close to water. They the Mm -hmm. in that area, like if you look at it, they're known for making them sleep with the fishes. They don't. Mm They're going to take the time to dismember them and throw them around at places. They, I mean, they don't give a fuck. They don't care. This is somebody that got their life ruined by this Mm -hmm. man, Mm -hmm. and they're like, we're going to kick you where it fucking hurts. You know. Yeah, that, that's my take on it. Looking, yeah, right I now. agree with you. Yeah, because sure. there's there's emotional revenge here. Like this, it was planned. It was premeditated. This person is pissed off, and if if it it took them some time to figure out how they were going to do it, you know, to make it right. I bet he was a so, fucking Scorpio because this is really planned out. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't we do that, huh? So okay, the first person that was actually questioned like brought in and questioned relentlessly his name's Hector Verba I think I think that's how you pronounce it but I'm just gonna call him Hector he was the first arrest so he's a janitor in the building where the Degnans lived and he's a cleaner not a butcher uh, I'm not saying the man can't, you know, whittle some sticks or whatever, but <laughs> this guy, he was a cleaner and he, he was an immigrant at that. Yep. So who is. knows, who knows what he could have been, you know, in Mexico or El Salvador, wherever the hell he came from. But here he's a janitor. He's unassuming, you know, but they still have some questions. You're in the building. We need to question you. Mm. Because he's the first so, person of color that is in the building. And, oh, they must be illiterate. Come on. You know all what they're doing here. Oh, it pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> so much. So, yeah. Police were so quick to even tell the media that this is the guy. We wow. got the guy. This is him. Okay. They questioned this man for 48 hours, mm. in which time they basically tortured him, trying to get him to confess to the most heinous of crimes. So the police went so far as to give this man a separated shoulder. If this guy isn't confessing after getting his shoulder separated, he's not going to confess. But I'm going to tell you some of the things that they did to this man. They hung him up, like hung him up on the wall, blindfolded him, handcuffed him and let him stay handcuffed for hours and hours on end. They threw him in a cell blindfolded handcuffed his hands behind his back, put a bar in between them and lifted him up off the ground until only his toes were touching. They gave him no food and they just let him wallow in his own self-pity for 48 hours. Wow. Mm-hmm. Fuck them. I hope that yeah. some ghosts are haunting their 
<laughs> so police even try to get Hector's wife to implicate him in some way. Like, come on, you got to He wasn't home. Was he home or was he not home? So maybe they're just they're tired of doing this investigation. They want to question this guy. They want to get it over with. So he told them he would have confessed to anything if they would have continued doing what they were doing to him. Dude, he stayed in the hospital for 10 days after this because he was so fucked up. And I couldn't even believe that, like, they would think it was him because when he he's quoted in saying what they did to him and it's in such broken English, like, I don't know. Next that, question. Yes. Does the wife no, speak English? Probably not. No, I mean, they don't really speak very good English, but. It's the ransom note for me. That's what they wanted to see if he wrote the ransom note. And no, this is not the guy. But now there's a second man, Sidney Sherman. He was another person of interest. They're like, oh, shit, we better go get this guy. So there was a handkerchief in the Degnan's apartment building that may have been used to gag this girl. And there was a laundry mark on it. Now, if you don't know what a laundry mark is, I'm sure most of you guys do, but it is kind of like embroidered and it has your name. So it had S Sherman. So mm. they're like, hey, S Sherman. 42 uh, all the way, Sydney, or? Yeah. So um. this guy, he is a discharged Marine who fought in World War II. He lived in Hyde Park. So it wasn't too far, you know, so police head over there right away. They're like, fuck, yeah, we got his address. We're going over there to get this dude. When they arrive, he ain't there. The building said he didn't even give notice. He just left. He's like, bye. He didn't even pick up his last paycheck from work. He just took the hell off. Bye. Yes. So, yeah, police are like, oh, shit, this might be our dude. So they are on a manhunt. So they're on a manhunt for four days. And where do they find him? Good old Toledo, Ohio. Fuck yeah, yes. man. That's where they go. What yeah, side? What I, side did it say? Let's it didn't this say. For Phils. Come on. It didn't say. I think it might have been the east side. So I was going to say east really side. Sure. You know it's east side. You know it's east side. <laughs> so I lived in Toledo for about six years, seven years. So I, um, I know the area very well. And that is also pretty close to water. So I was like, "Mm, I hope nothing goes crazy here. But (laughs) this man basically told police, "Um, I ran away with my girlfriend to get eloped and I just (sighs) took off. They ain't going to fucking Toledo, Ohio. (laughs) Fuck out of here from Chicago. Like, okay, my whole family's from Toledo on my dad's side. So I'm very well. I went to school there. Like, I I know that area. They are not fucking going to that shithole from (laughs) Chicago area. First of all, you have to get in and off a toll and take all these crazy ass roads and then get off that highway and go like, you know, 40 miles to the other highway. It ain't happening, sis. It ain't happening. That's not where they're going. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know if his girlfriend was from there. I'm not really sure. He didn't really give a description. I didn't really care to hear about the description because he passed the polygraph test that they gave him. They teach that in the military. They teach that in the military. Yeah. Wow. So. He passes with flying colors and the true owner of the handkerchief was found. It, it wasn't his. Oh. Yeah. So the mystery cloth 
once belonged to Airman Seymour Sherman of New York City. This man was out of the country, however, and has no idea how that pocket square ended up over there. Wow. So now they're at a dead end again. They're like, oh, shit. Well, that didn't pan out. And now we're going to hear about Richard Russell Thomas, right? Yep. So that was another interesting character that the police kind of had their eye on in Susan's death. And Richard, you know, he was a nurse from Phoenix, Arizona, who happened to be in Chicago at the time of Susan's death. And he was really interesting to police because he had been arrested for molesting his daughter in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's got a background with abusing children. So there's that. But police were surprised because a Phoenix police officer actually contacted the Chicago police and said, hey, there's handwriting similarities here between the ransom note found at the uh, Degnan residence and between Richard's handwriting. So (laughs) not only that, yep, but he had medical training and that's what the coroner had reported with Susan's death, that it could be not just somebody who's skilled with like cutting meat, but it could be somebody with a medical background. Did they say what kind of medical background he has? He's a nurse. So just like, was it like general, just yeah, just like general medical friend. then. Okay. Yeah, just as far as I know, it was just general. So, I mean, it's not that big of a coincidence, but Thomas, he lived in the south side of Chicago and he kind of seemed to fit the lineup of the killer's profile because he would go to an area, he like frequented the area where Susan's arms were found. So, they kind of put that together and during questioning, it said that, you know, Thomas he did end up admitting to killing Susan. But at this time, you know, police were br- using really brutal tactics to extract information and get confessions. So right. Th- Thomas later actually recanted his confession and police moved on to a new lead. And there was a witness who reported that a young college student had fled the scene of a robbery when police tried to capture him. And oh, the student- shit. Yes, the student actually threatened the police with a gun and he possibly tried to kill one of the officers upon his his escape. So so can I ask one question about the previous? Was there any molestation in that case? I, I feel like you didn't mention that there was unless yeah, I missed it. it was. He um, he molested his daughter. But in Susan, right. Susan was but Susan, oh, the, one, the one in question. Oh, no, there I did not see anything about her having anything like that done. It was just more about the dismemberment and like demographically how close is you said Hyde Park for him where he resided and they found body parts there whatever how close is that to where this the scene was like where she lived well is that close or not really probably like 20 minutes okay yes we're looking it up just to make sure but what's what town was was the murder in I don't know that she was in the north side of Chicago yeah so north I don't know, like yeah. thirty, probably yeah, twenty minutes. No, he's probably like minutes. he's probably like an hour away. No, because he's on the south side. Hyde Park is south side. If she was in the north suburbs, he's probably about mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he's probably about an hour away. Uh, probably Damn. back then. Yeah, like I didn't like, realize yeah. it was that far. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably back then, just because of the fact that they it probably wasn't the same as it is now. You know right. what I mean? Now for sure. Yeah. It's an hour or more with traffic and everything else. But yeah, back then it probably would have 
Yeah, looking at the map. So, so what, he's just gonna like take random parts. Like he's gonna travel an hour. That doesn't. I don't know. That doesn't fit right for me either. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no. There's not even any like you know signs of molestation or anything like with that girl. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not very similar at all. You know. So right. the next guy was William. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Herons. Herons. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he was 17. Again, all these kids are so young, man. And um, he'd actually been arrested for a t- attempted burglary. And it was stated by the family of William that he was tortured and forced into confessing killing Susan. And it was reported that, he, you know, they, it was so bad that he would drift in and out of consciousness and was tortured for six days straight. He was also starved and uh, den- denied a lawyer and his residence were both searched without a warrant. The police would lose the transcript from the interview, coincidentally. So sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I'm so angered right now. I'm just shaking my head like this is so fucked up. I almost feel like the police did something. Susan. Yeah. Somebody connected. With they the don't police. even want to solve the case at this point. Yeah. Um, so they would actually use the police would use something called sodium pentothal, which is considered the truth serum. Yeah. It's known as truth serum. Yeah. Yeah. And. Without a warrant, they did this without a warrant, and they continued to question him for hours. Um, a child, a child, seventeen-year-old, yeah. Yes. So, yeah. the police said that William, you know, he confessed to having a a second personality named George, who was responsible for the murders. Under a, the truth serum, though, or yes. like under the truth serum, yeah, exactly. Right. And a psychologist involved in the six-day ordeal would come forward in 1952, and he would state in an interview that the that Herons never said anything to implicate himself in the murders. Boom. Oh, yeah. so still feeling like or, organized crime to me. I don't know. I just can't really get off that. Like, yeah, I thing. I would think that they would have been involved too. I mean, I don't know, but. Williams confessed and but there was literally never substantial evidence behind his arrest. Everything, even on the handwriting on the ransom note was it couldn't be positively linked to William. Basically, there was a handwriting analysis done by the FBI. And in the analysis, you have to have like 12 points of comparison to confirm that. And he only showed nine. And if you look at that compared to the general population, that would come out to 65% of people could have been. That ain't passing shit. That ain't passing shit. No. Doesn't get you anywhere. No. So his fingerprints didn't even match the ones found at the Brown house. And this is reported by the press. So 12 days later, the chief of detectives in Chicago would end up saying that the bloody fingerprints matched William. Mm. What? They, um, I don't, I don't buy it. No, not at all. <laughs> okay. So I'm kind no. of sidebarring here. Um, I'm sorry. What day was this again? Can, can you give me the dates of the killers? Like, or the kills? I'm sorry. January 7th, 1946 was Susan. Josephine was June 5th, 1945. And Francis was December 10th, 1945. Okay. Yeah. So all within a year. I'll check back in yeah. with what I just found. So, And it's it's interesting, too, because the first two were almost six months apart from each other. Mm-hmm. But then this mm-hmm. next one is like, bam, it happens like almost a month after this last murder. It's not connected in any way. There's no way, shape or form that it could be at all. But 
I want to talk a little bit about this truth serum because it's interesting. I read that. So William Herons, even though he was injected with the truth serum, he was not confessing to the murder still. And they gave him a lumbar puncture that he was not under anesthesia during this, only the truth serum, which is kind of like an anesthetic. And he still refused wow. to say anything. Yeah. But the truth serum was actually used as a three-part cocktail in lethal injection. They just stopped using it. So it is usually used as a general anesthetic before you are under. So it'll they'll give it to you just for like that quick, you're going to fall asleep. And then they administer the long lasting anesthetic. So as a truth serum, it's like goofy juice, right? It's like laughing gas. Or if you drink a little too much or, you know, you just, you say things that are, you know, might be truthful, but truth be told. Did it say what it is? Because like what flavor of, okay. So the um the truth serum is interesting though because the way that it's used as an anesthetic people react to it differently it's not one dose like you can't give like 25 milligrams and it'll work for up to a certain amount of pounds like everybody reacts to it differently so whether or not you know he was just trying to say what he was going to say as like maybe an insanity plea or whatever he just wanted to get out of it and honestly during the research that I did, it said that he was his his father's name is George. So that's how he came up with the name George and yeah. Merman Merman or whatever was just a blurb that they made into Merman because they couldn't figure out what the fuck he was saying. Wow. So then in the articles, it says William Heron's alter ego, George Merman, committed all three murders. Like, come on, you know, so sensational. Especially under, you know, some kind of drug. Like, what? How does that even, how does that even work? You know, like, that's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And and not only that, but the truth serum or um, sodium, whatever it's called (laughs) or whatever. Yes. Yes, exactly. So this, this truth serum, they use it in uh, neurosurgical patients with increased intracranial pressure. So if you have like pressure on the brain or fluid on the brain, a lot of times they'll use this even today to use it in uh, lobotomies too. Oh yes. Yeah. And they'll use it. I was wondering if you're going to explain it. (laughs) Yeah. And convulsive states, they'll use it like it affects the brain in a way where like you don't know how it's going to affect you until you get it. So they always do a test first in the hospital before they actually give it to you as like an anesthetic. So police were just wildly throwing syringes in the air like, oh, I'm just going to give this, you know, however much I'm going to give you and see what happens. Like, how terrible is that? And to be tortured for six days. That's insane. What kills me is it's doctors that are injecting these these people with it. And yeah. they don't, especially in William's case, they don't know how he's going to react because I guarantee they didn't do a test run before mm, they no. did it. They just stabbed him with it. And that was that. He like, we'll see yeah. what happens. If you look into like the experimentation of 
psychiatrist and psychiatry at you know what I mean and mania yeah, they and were people like they didn't give a fuck at this time a lot of them were funded by bigger a- agencies to where it, like shit could get covered up very easily so they just used random whoever to you know let me try this out this might work you know they're it, it was subjects disgusting, disgusting yeah. right yeah. disgusting I feel like that right. has a part in you know them doing that to him for sure yeah yeah so his second confession Let's let's go there because his first confession obviously was um, the George Merman thing. I feel as though when he was injected with the drug, he was saying that as his alter ego because maybe he needed him in the boys school to survive, even though he was only there for roughly three years is what it said. He got out when he was 16. He went to a different place for a little while, but to disassociate and create an alter ego that commits all these crimes and commits all of these things. I think that that was his coping mechanism for being in the school. Yeah, Um, I believe that the, you know, the handwriting didn't match up and it was, it was very uh, lackluster in their efforts to connect him with anything. Yeah. But the second confession Heron's defense attorneys just felt that he was guilty. Like, I just feel like he's guilty. What the fuck is that? Yeah, it's messed up that they were even like that because at one point they're like, our main job here is just to like not let him go to the electric chair. We don't, we think that he's guilty, but we're just going to try our best not to get him on death row. That's exactly very sad, but especially with the lack of evidence. Yeah, his his stolen items, obviously, we talked about um, the guns, the furs, the, you know, random other stuff, whatever things that he collected over the course of his career, so to speak. But there's a knife that was apparently stolen and they were trying to link it to him. So he was coerced. I I I, at least I feel into saying that the knife was his, like he threw it out of the train car and it landed on the tracks and they could find it there. And it was very like, I don't know if they had the knife, the police had the knife and then planted it there and other police officers. Oh, we found it. Yeah. Because that's what it seems like to me. Oh, what? Yeah. What if they had, like, I feel like most people would have that type of personal protection in you know, war times in like depression. I mean, you have to protect yourself in areas you don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's common now for right. people to have like concealed carry, but I feel like knife was, you know, a common protector. But the knife was stolen. Yeah. From and somebody else. Wasn't it a hunting knife at that? It was a hunting knife. It wasn't like and just some kind of like switchblade, like I feel like, or like a pocket knife. Right. You know, it was a hunting knife. So the difference between a hunting knife, and I know Amanda knows about this, (laughs) than say a blade that you would use to cut meat at a meatpacking facility is vastly different. There's serrated edges to cut. There's, I mean, you can't really sharpen it as as well as you can like a butcher's knife. Mm -hmm. Okay, because a hunting knife is serrated because you're supposed to go like, you know, throat to balls. Like you're you're there to gash (laughs) and rip apart, okay? It, yes. If not, it's not going to cut through that because you're cutting through bone, you're cutting through skin, you're cutting through any whatever else. Like, you know, it's not meant to be like a clean cut. It's to yeah, rip apart. 
and the coroner's report said that there was no that there was no signs of that it was like a a smooth blade so yeah it's still not matching up yeah so let's talk about let's talk more about the knife and like what what ends up happening what do these lawyers suggest yeah, so the the prosecution t- uh, team actually, you know, just like you mentioned, they use the knife as the main point uh, that that was stolen right. from one of Williams' burglaries. So that was the main evidence, and they basically positively ID'd th- this weapon that was used uh, for the burglary victims. So they're saying it's the same knife that he used on Susan uh, that was used during the you know burglaries that he did. So William would actually end up, you know, he would he would sign a confession. And that, that his parents signed as well uh, because uh. he was a minor. And the terms were that William would confess to the three murders and serve three consecutive life sentences and confess to the press. What was messed up too, though, about that is they changed. They, they gave him that after they had said, if you confess now, we'll just give you one life sentence to serve. Yes. And then they changed it to three without even consulting him, his lawyers, they just changed it. And so he not only was confessing to that, but he was confessing to the other ones and he was serving time for all of them. Yeah. He, he basically fit their profile and they just ran with it. That's what they were were going to make him the guy. Yeah. Yeah. His conviction altered. Yeah. uh, You know, once, you know, they, it came to a sentencing and, um, his mother and father would actually, you know, get divorced shortly after his conviction and his siblings had to change schools. So the whole family fell apart. Uh, William served out his sentence and was moved around multiple times to different prisons in Illinois. And uh, he would eventually die in March of 2012. He was interviewed many times telling his story, but the story was getting harder and harder for him to recall with, you know, the time passing by. And till this day, people you know, still wonder if he was the actual murderer or a victim by proxy. I Can I interrupt with this I, thing that I just found? Okay, so I had to yes. find about 12 people. Her father, James, right? Right person? Mm-hmm. Uh, donated uh, $1,562 to the political election in oh. 1946. Um, he was part of the Republican Party, which was who was elected in that year. And people in the neighborhood were pissed off about it. There was actually, it looks like um, there was an article through the Chicago Reader. It was a throwback article and it kind of tied in some other cases um, like the Black Dahlia case. Like this journalist or whatever had deep dived into multiple cases that could be politically connected. Um, And that's really interesting information. So, but this whole thing being brought up was or shoved under the rug. I thought that was interesting. I feel like a lot yeah. of information was shoved under the rug with this. I I also feel that way. And I feel as though um, he he literally served his entire life in prison. Yeah, And it's sad because I truly do not believe that he did it. I think that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and the police were fucking tired and they were like, look, you've been giving us a problem for a long time, son. And let me tell you, I we we had enough. And if they could coerce anybody into confessing, it's going to be a 17 year old. Yeah. This, this kid doesn't even know who the hell he is. He's he's burglarizing people yeah. and hoarding things because he doesn't know what the hell is going to happen. And all of a sudden he's robbing somebody and he gets snatched up for murder. I mean, that's a big gap. That's a big jump into something like this isn't just 
something that you're going to get a slap on the wrist and move on. Like this is huge. It's a life ruiner. And to dismember a six-year-old, it takes a hell of a lot of guts. Not to mention, I am not entirely convinced because this little girl got abducted in January of 46, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a really hard time believing that a 17 year old who just got, you know, accepted into the University of Chicago, even though he's still burglarizing, because I know he doesn't know any sort of honest work to pay for anything. Yeah. Is has enough balls or enough knowledge to know that this girl is one of the head of the meatpacking industry's daughters. Like, I'm sure he didn't know that. And he's not part of the mob. Like, you know, there's no no benefit for him. There's no gain from him doing that. Like, unless he was just messed up and that's what he wanted to do, but that he, he's probably not the guy. Like it's very likely that he is not the guy. I I don't think he is either, but it's interesting how the murders stopped as well. Like why did it stop after her? If he wasn't right. The guy. Well, they right. just, well, maybe because like they, they, they made their point. Um, yeah. So there was another case in the, we kind of talked about uh, discussing with you guys the, have you guys heard of the starved rock case? Of, I have not. Okay. So three, uh, elderly, like in their eighties, set late seventies, elderly women were murdered at the starved rock in Illinois. Oh and, yes, I have. My mom was telling me about this. Yes. Go for and it. And I was yeah. just, I was just curious as how far like LaSalle County or whatever Starved Rock, how far is that from Chicago? It's an hour and a half. Yeah. It's yeah. not too far from my mom's house. It's about an so hour not, and a half. It's yeah. not in the same County or anything. No. no. Cause Mm-mm. I'm finding things about this that I had already written down that political parties are connected from that case in 1960 to the same one that is 1947. Oh yeah. I mean, and oh, they also, they also threw, I mean, I don't think we're I mean, just to throw. I mean, I'm spoiler here. They throw a kid in jail because he had a similar kind of shoddy previous record of, you know, I mean, all the same M.O. Like he was an easy target. He spent literally his life in jail. They just released him a few years ago. Oh he did gosh. not fucking do it. He oh did not God. fucking do it. And it was very connected to political matters in the Chicago area, in the Illinois area. Um but all of a sudden the murder stopped. They never had any problems there. You know, it just, it, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot going they, on in that area of Illinois that. Oh, feels it's so very, going yeah. on. They use skateboards very, all the time. Yeah. Like, I don't know. They needed a fall guy. Yeah. 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 That's what yeah, they needed. And it's easy choice. for them. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. And it's easiest for them to get children because children are not, it's going to be easier for them to break them, wow. you know? Like, and then the parents will sign off on it because they feel like, oh, it's either death for my child or it's my chi- child spends their life in jail. So, right. It's but the also, lesser, yeah. or, you know, a, a big thing at that time is I also don't want my name in the newspaper. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good looking guy. He has, he's going to go to college. Like, we yeah. don't want our name splattered all over. The, I mean, that was a huge thing at that time. Like, they don't want their anything reputations, yeah. especially in the Midwest. Like, that, you don't do that. Like, you know, yeah. And what's what's even more interesting is all of his family changed their name. Yeah. Yeah. So like they didn't want to be associated with him at all. I'm just fucking no saying. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. So of course, 
you know, that's our case on the lipstick killer. If any of you guys out there listening think that he was guilty, uh, feel free to shoot us an email. We will talk with you. Um, so one more time, Les and Mo from the Les and Mo show, uh, just plug your socials. Tell us where we can listen to you. Yes. So thelesandmoshow.com or at the Les and Mo show, you can find us on YouTube and we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Every Thursday, we post at about 12 p.m. Central Time. And yeah, that's basically it. So we're actually coming to an end of our season one pretty soon. I think in about two weeks. Yeah. So there's lots to listen to so far. I yeah. mean, 12 episodes. So yeah. So catch up with us. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, you know, we'll we'll take a break for about a week or so and then start season two. So YouTube is the best place to watch our podcast or listen because we've got you know, some cool videos with each episode, but yeah. Thank you guys. I mean, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We got to do no this problem. again. <laughs> oh, oh, we will. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. That'd be so awesome. as far as us, you know, we're on Facebook and Instagram, uh, at monsters of the Midwest. Don't forget you can interact with us. It's okay. You know, you don't have to be afraid. You can approach <laughs> us. We're very approachable. People you say know, otherwise about me. It's that, face though the resting bitch <laughs> face that happens i'm approachable lorraine's approachable and then also you know apple podcast right rate review leave us a little message drop whatever the hell you want to say you know agree say amanda you have a fucking resting bitch face and i'm really tired of it i don't care it boosts us up the algorithm let other people hear about our lovely podcast and the les and mo show we are excited to have them on here lots of cherries pop today this is our first video <laughs> recording go. <laughs> ah, so it's exciting. Yes. Um, so also, you, first guest. Also, yeah. first yeah. guest. Yeah, this is fun. So, and we are going to be taking a dance over to their podcast also. So, yes. go check them out there. You know, let's let's all hang out another time. That'd be great. Yeah. So, as always, remember the code of the Midwest. Don't talk to that weird guy down the street. Don't go anywhere alone. Lock your fucking doors. And we'll see you next Tuesday.